0: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member fdsc there will always be a villain in your story you just have to ask yourself if this is truly a villain or a superhero in disguise for your life Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, and with each episode, it is my mission to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, full disclaimer. I just did an amazing breathwork session. I wanted to be fully present for this episode because you guys don't know this, but usually when I go in to record an episode, it's I've had like stress and chaos, and I just kind of walk in. I put on my headphones I have about two minutes to prepare. And then I just wing it. But this time I really did want to be really grounded and centered and I'm in my closet with the lights off. I was going to do this from bed, but I don't think for sound purposes that would have been the best. So I feel amazing and I'm, as always, excited for this episode I'm really proud of myself, if I must pat myself on the back, because I typed out 12 pages of notes for this, and it's only going to be a part one. This is only going to be five of the 10 things, but I'm just proud because I feel like I have grown so much, and just the fact that I can make 12 pages of notes without doing any research, it's all just from my own brain, I think that just goes to show that I'm evolving, I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm experiencing, and just from my challenges and from everything that I've gone through. So, this topic came to me a couple of days ago, but really a light bulb moment went off as I was actually standing on my mother's grave. That sounds a little morbid, but. I'll get into more of that, but a, a light bulb moment just went off for me, and I was like, "Wow, it's been almost eight years since my mother passed away from suicide," and I just have learned so much. Like those words came out of my mouth as I was standing there with my dad, and I just was like, "I have learned so much from this." Incident. It wasn't just, you know, something that happened and you just move on. I mean, there's absolutely no way. You know, think about most things in your life that just happen and then you move on and you can maybe remember it or talk about it and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that one time. But this is obviously way different. And I believe this is like a catalyst to the journey that I'm on now. So I just had this idea for this episode and I just sat down and I wrote listed out in kind of bullet points, just things that I personally have learned, you know, none of this was research. None of this was like, what are life lessons you learned from suicide? It was really digging down deep and, and just thinking about my own personal experience with this experience. So that is what this episode is about today. But like I said, I, I just want this to be an open conversation, I guess, with myself. But I'm really I, I did I mean I did make notes, but I was just like oh, I was just so I was just like on a roll. It was like and again I was just like wow, like I've just learned so much. So hopefully this will help you inspire you maybe take a look at the way you look at your own life and even other people in your life that are affecting you. And maybe can kind of give you some relief um, just knowing the things that I have gone through and learned and I'm just, again, this is why I put these episodes out. No other reason than to help you and inspire you. So recently it was my mom's birthday on February 21st. Um, she would have been 63. So she died at the age of 55, which is really young. Um, I was fortunate enough to be with my family over the weekend and on the day of her birthday in Oklahoma City. I had a family event on the Saturday before, and I planned to stay, you know, so I could be there with my family on her birthday. And I knew that we would probably do something. So I was really glad I was able to do that. We spent the weekend celebrating my nephew's first birthday and laughing and playing and just really watching our family grow. My sister-in-law is pregnant. So now my older brother has a two-year-old girl and then now one on the way. And then my little brother has three kids all under the age of six. So we are a growing family. Uh, My dad is remarried. He lives on 10 acres. He's retired and has this new hobby of raising farm animals, which is really kind of bizarre because it's completely opposite of how we were raised. You know, we were just kind of very city folk. The most amount of animals we had was a dog and we were not even good with those. So It was really cool and amazing to see and be a part of that and see how he's living. And then my little sister and I, we've really taken very similar parallel paths. I think we are more alike in the fact that we really have a heart to help people, to serve. And maybe we didn't take the traditional route of starting a family and just making our time about family, um, you know, our own family, but more so how we can help as many people as possible. So on the day of our mom's birthday, we planned a family breakfast and then we headed out to her grave at the cemetery. This is where I had a moment with my dad. We were there alone before anyone else got there. I hadn't ever been alone with my dad at my mom's grave. I didn't know what to expect. Is this weird? Is it gonna be awkward? As you may know, you know, my family never actually discussed my mom or what happened to her. We never shared our feelings or how it affected us, but that isn't and wasn't a thing in our family. We don't do feelings. So as I'm standing there with my dad, I do start to get emotional and I realize I'm there alone with him and I want answers. I want to know how he feels. So I ask him, so what do you think about all of this? There are was silence for a bit, and then he said, I think about her every day, and I still have dreams about her. Not exactly the answer I was looking for. I wanted feelings, and I wanted depth and some sort of, you know, this is how this made me feel, but I didn't get that. And that's okay. I mean, again, my family just doesn't do feelings. As the moments pass and I'm just looking down at my mom's headstone in the ground on this Oklahoma windy day, it hits me that I have actually learned so much since this incident. Eight years, I mean, eight years of life, experiences of trials, eight years of darkness of light, of trying new things, of facing my past, of learning about my mom, of learning about emotions, learning about unresolved trauma, the list goes on. And I realized how much I've grown from that experience. I think this tragic thing in my family was the catalyst of starting my own journey that I've had to go down. I think you can let Traumatic things either affect you or evolve you. And I'm glad I can say, looking back now, that it truly did change me for the better. While there were twists and turns, and of course, hard things in between, I would never have faced myself and that I needed to heal had I not witnessed the biggest example of unresolved trauma depression lack of identity lack of confidence in my mom mainly you know both of my parents if I really am being honest but not only when she was alive witnessing all of that but then that being her reason for wanting to take her life in my opinion It was like I was looking into a crystal ball and seeing everything that I didn't want to happen to me and making the conscious decisions to start to make opposite choices that would lead me down a different path than she took. That being said, I want to go through some of those lessons I've learned and the realizations I've had from reflecting on these last eight years and from this experience. So Number one, it's pointless to be angry or to blame. I didn't know that I was angry for a long time. If you've been following my story, anything, you know, I suppressed my feelings for a very long time. So when did this anger show up in my life? When I was being irritable, when I was feeling restless, being frustrated a lot. It was actually the only emotion I could show. Looking back, I can definitely see the way I was acting and my behavior every day. And it wasn't the behavior of like a fun, happy, outgoing, normal 25-year-old, right? I was kind of this bump on a log dealing with a lot of stuff internally. It was almost as though like when I was happy that that was a show or I had to put on or like muster up those emotions, if that makes sense. I was like the happiness you saw was really a lot of effort to put in behind the scenes. And it wasn't my default as it should be. So when I was passionate, when I was outspoken or when I really let my feelings show was when I was angry. And that was mostly... In my relationship I was in, in California, there were several times when he would tell me, you only know how to show emotion when you're angry. Or he would say, anger is the only emotion you show. And at the time, I had no clue what that meant. But now I understand. I really had to start to forgive my mother for what? she had done but of course it's easy to blame after the fact you know since you did this this happened to me if you wouldn't have done this and this wouldn't have happened to me so on and so forth I really pinpointed that instance of what my mother did to a lot of failures or terrible things that happened to me following or Did this instance just reveal what was inevitable anyway? I was angry that this happened and it made me and my husband get divorced. Or were we destined to anyway? I was angry that it led to my family to sort of splinter there for a while and grow apart, leading me to believe that we were never that close anyway. I was angry. It caused me so much disassociation from myself and depression. Or was that already buried deep down inside? Do you see where I'm going with this? It's easy to blame people for your problems, for where you are in life, for the things going wrong for you. There will always be a villain in your story. You just have to ask yourself if this is truly a villain or a superhero in disguise for your life. We're supposed to go to the OBGYN once a year for our annual checkups, but checking in with our fertility isn't usually a thing until we're ready for kids and struggling to get pregnant. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. After mailing it in with a prepaid label, you'll have your results within six business days. You'll get insight into your hormone levels and other important factors that can impact your fertility. The results show you what every hormone means and you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. Traditional hormone testing at a fertility clinic can cost over $600, but Modern Fertility tests the same general set of hormones for only $179. And if you go to modernfertility.com habits, you can get $20 off your test. Plus you can get reimbursed for your test through your FSA or HSA. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound information about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, you can get $20 off your test when you go to modernfertility.com slash habits. Your test will cost $159, which is a fraction of what it would cost at a fertility clinic. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash habits. That's modernfertility.com slash habits. Number two, people can only meet you where they are emotionally. This is one of my favorite things to talk about when it gets brought up in any interview, any source of conversation. This took me a long time to learn and understand. When I was with my dad at my mother's gravesite, I said, I have learned so much since this. When it happened, I just thought, It was a thing happening in our lives, you know, a very obviously bad thing. And it was, but this wasn't something that happened because of a couple weeks or a couple months of hard times. My mother's entire life was leading up to this. Her pain, her unresolved trauma that I learned about that I know she never dealt with, her shame, her insecurities. It wasn't because she was depressed for a couple months. Like that was just the slow decline. And then I started to attribute her behaviors, her attitude, her awareness, her confidence to each one of these things. My mother was doing the best she could with the knowledge and awareness she had. She was who she was. People in your life are who they are based on their experiences and what they witnessed. You cannot change them. You can only inspire them to grow or evolve. Everyone is meeting you exactly where they are. What does this mean? For instance, if you are in constant fights or battles with your partner, your spouse, a friend, and you're just like, Ugh, like, why do they act this way? It's usually not an act they are putting on for you. That is legitimately who they are personalities, insecurities, confidence, or lack thereof. You will not get anything more or anything less from them. You can't ask a child to act like a teenager any more than you can ask an unaware, insecure person to be rational and confident in who they are. It just, it doesn't work. So when someone was getting an angry, unaware, anxiety-ridden version of me, notice I say version because this isn't inherently who we are. It's just a version of us. It was because that was my max. Like that was my cap of knowledge and information that I had at that point in time. So people have to experience life and that takes time. But I also think where true change comes in, where growth comes in, is the willingness to accept where you are, accept your failures, accept your faults and insecurities, and take assertive action to heal yourself. Most people are missing that second half. They have the insecurities, the shame, the guilt, the low self-esteem. Um, they're emotionally immature, right? They have that down, but they don't have the, huh? Like, maybe I should take the time to examine these things, face myself, work through my trauma, and overcome these negative emotions that are ruling my life. I think this is the point where most people never get. They never get to this checkpoint in the game. They just keep dying over and over when they try to jump to the next cliff and get frustrated when they can't progress to that next level of the game, AKA their life. So all this to say, when you have awareness and emotional intelligence, it will be so much easier to spot and recognize someone who does not. You will never meet an aware person who acts like an out of control idiot. I'm telling you that right now. (laughs) Self-aware people, can objectively evaluate themselves, they can manage their emotions, their behavior aligns with their values, and they can really understand how other people perceive them. I mean, essentially, they can interpret their actions, feelings, and thoughts very, very objectively. So if someone in your life right now cannot the following bullet pointed out here for you. If they cannot recognize their strengths and challenges, understand and talk about their needs and feelings, recognize other people's needs and feelings, see how their behavior affects others, develop a growth mindset, or learn from their mistakes, they are not self-aware. They haven't put in the time or work on themselves. They are avoidant of their traumas and they haven't hit that rock bottom place yet that will force them into change. So it's basically pointless to one, try to change them two get upset by their behaviors. You have to let people get to that place of voluntary healing. It cannot be forced upon them. That is where my mother never got to. She never got to the point of ultimate self-awareness and highly emotionally intelligent, right? Which I believe led to her downfall and the feeling of hopelessness. It's like she ran out of gas, not knowing that she herself was the gas station to be able to fill her tank back up. Number three, People have to heal on their own time. This ties into number two, but I wanted to go a li- little deeper on this. Healing is a journey. A never-ending looping and swooping, getting knocked on your freaking face while simultaneously learning to love yourself and evolve tenfold journey. But it has to be their choice. It had to be my choice. While I did have someone right by my side, helping me every step of the way, challenging me, showing me things I was doing, I still had to make the decision on my own, on my way, on my time and how I wanted to do it. You will never be able to force anyone to start healing. Well, not like for real anyway. Let them be and if you're thinking well okay they just will in time just know there's only some truth to this what is time's role in the healing process time is simply just opportunity and how someone heals over time ultimately depends on how they decide to use that opportunity to shape their present and future circumstances Time is only valuable when you are using it wisely and intentionally. It can help dilute challenging or difficult experiences, but we simply cannot just get over it. Take it from me, my trauma caught up with me two years later. Two years. Like, that should be enough time, right? How much longer did I need? But the truth is, those two years were not well spent. In fact, it was mainly avoiding and running in fear. It wasn't until I turned around and I faced the beast, so to speak. So just a little side note, a little analogy. I picture anyone avoiding healing their trauma as like running in the dark as a beast big, whatever kind of beast you want to think of is chasing them and they run and they run until they finally come to the realization that they should just turn around. They should stop in their tracks, turn around, face this beast right in his face and scare the shit out of it until it goes away. Weird. I know, but that's just what goes in my mind. Who in your life is running from a beast right now? Is it your job to run alongside them and be just as frustrated, just as scared, and just as worn out as they are? No, absolutely not. You have to watch them from the sidelines and allow them to come to you and say, oh, Wow, I was running for a really long time before I knew I didn't have to anymore. Thanks for always being there for me. I now think I'm ready to do this healing work. Trust me, it will go a long way to just simply be there for someone as opposed to forcing your opinions, your beliefs, and your ways on them. Sometimes you may have to see someone fall flat on their face, and that's okay. That's usually the most effective way that people catapult into wanting to change. Rock bottoms, which is my number four lesson I learned. Number four, rock bottoms are necessary for change, healing, and growth. Have you ever heard an inspirational story that didn't have some sort of traumatic climax to it that didn't involve chaos, jail, death, or unimaginable experiences? Probably not because most stories of transformational change have some sort of rock bottom moment in them. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but it's how it usually has to happen. Very rarely do you hear of someone making drastic changes in their life or lifestyle just because they felt like it, right? It happened to me and it happens to the most inspiring people you know, watch, read about, or follow. Rock bottoms are necessary when you are at the lowest of lows the nasty, dirty, painful parts of your life that seem like they will never be over. When you feel alone, scared, and fearful. When everything seems to be up against you instead of for you. This is when true, lasting change can finally begin to occur. Just humor me right now and try to find a story of a man turning his life around without being in a pit. Search for a story of a woman who hadn't endured tremendous hardship to be as successful as she is today. It just doesn't happen. So life lesson number four, embrace rock bottoms. Embrace the suck. While it may seem impossible, tell yourself it won't last forever. Knowing that you are being replanted. You are getting better soil. You are sharpening tools needed for what's to come. You can overcome and you will overcome. Your pit will soon turn into a peak. Rock bottoms serve you. They are not meant to destroy you, but to show you just how strong you really are. And number five, everyone has trauma. Some form of it. Absolutely no one is exempt from trauma. And every single person's trauma is going to be different. But do not for one second think someone you know has had a more perfect life. I really used to hate the fact that I felt like I was the only one I knew who seemed to always be going through hard times In my teens, it was my rebellious years and getting kicked out of my house twice while my other friends had parents who weren't strict and actually listened to them and their needs and didn't ground them all the time. In my second half of my 20s, obviously going through everything I went through, my parents' mental illness, my mother's suicide, divorce, moving to California, struggling most of the time there. I was just like, none of my friends are going through this shit. Everyone is living parallel to where they should be, right? Like getting careers, having babies, enjoying their life. Meanwhile, I felt like I was on a never-ending roller coaster of bad experiences. But (laughs) there's always a but. As I've gained more experiences, I do feel like most of my friends are actually lagging behind me, and I'm really not trying to say that as in like a I'm better than them way, I can just now see that their little traumas starting to creep up in their lives or even some big instances that have happened. I had a friend recently lose her brother in a car accident. I've had friends have miscarriages. I've seen a friend go through divorce and, and emotional manipulation tied with that. I've seen a friend's little trauma affect her current life and where she currently is at this stage of life. I've seen friends go through rock bottoms emotionally and get seriously depressed and anxious. And I began to feel grateful that I went through everything so early in my life. Like, although, yes, it really sucked at the time, I now have more emotional intelligence than most 30s, 40s, 50s, help people in their 60s do. And guess what? It all came from the suckiest times of my life. They say that the top five hardest things you will go through in life are loss of a loved one, serious illness, bankruptcy, or financial hardship divorce and moving across the country. I did four out of five of those things by the time I was 30 years old. So I grew up really fast, but I had to. Is that right? Is it wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? That's ultimately up to your perspective. But personally, I wouldn't have it any other way. I now understand that it's pointless to waste my energy on getting angry. I now sit back and assess what is making me angry and recognize that it's just a trigger that I'm having that I need to spend more time unpacking. I now know that if someone is being rude, standoffish, manipulative, or negative, It's just where their emotional capacity sits at the time. And I can choose to give into that negative energy or not and not blame them because everyone goes through that at some point in their life, right? We've all been there and we have the power to choose or not choose to stay there. I let people heal on their own time. And I don't force my opinions on others or the ways I did or didn't do something. I let them have space and know that they can choose to spend their time with either opportunity or rumination. I'm aware that rock bottoms are inevitable and are necessary for growth. So when I recognize that I myself am in a storm, I think of all the ways that this is helping me grow And just be grateful for what I have and what the future holds with this newfound awareness that I'm gaining. And I don't feel sorry for myself that my life experiences are different than others whose lives may have have seemed worry or stress-free. Everyone has trauma that will affect their life in some way. We are human and we will all experience human emotions. I'm grateful for overcoming what I went through and know everyone has something different to offer the world stay tuned for part two coming next week on habits you love